Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just wanna find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Scott Anthony Barlow. Scott is the CEO and founder of Happen to Your Career. Welcome to the podcast, Scott. Thank you. I am very excited to be here. Yeah, I um, I'm excited to have you on uh, on the podcast and to chat about you and uh, and and how you became the person and the leader, the entrepreneur, the coach you are today. You do a few things, so let's start there. Before we jump into your story, tell us a little bit about what you do at Happen to Your Career. Happen to Your Career really. I think when when people visit our website, when they hear the Happen to Your Career podcast, when they read any anything that we've put out into the world. I think very often they think about career change, career change, particularly to work that is meaningful, but really what we do as an organization and really the reason we exist as an organization is to very much not just focus on individual career changes, although that's important, but instead we really believe as a, as an organization and myself that work can be so much more for humans than what it is in most places around the world. And so the real reason we exist as an organization is to help people think about and do work differently to allow them to find what's thriving for them and very literally to change the landscape of what work even looks like in the world. That is what we do. And we focus on one individual at a time. And uh, here's the... <laughs> Here is the secret strategy I'll say is we we have a tendency to work with a lot of leaders of organizations or people that are in great positions to to influence. So once we help them find their own personal version of what works for them and what their extraordinary or ideal career actually looks like, very often they're in a position in that organization, whatever organization they might be in or have changed to, to then help their teams. And then it gets spread throughout the world. And that's one thing that's been really phenomenal to see over the last 10 years, the ripple effects and ripple impacts. So that's, uh, that's the quick version. Yeah, thank you, for, uh, thank you for unpacking that. I love the vision. I love the, the heart of what you do. And I can see why you're, uh, you're being, you know, you guys are being, uh, having so much success. It's, it's uh, definitely something close to my heart. So it really resonates with me. Let's jump straight into your story. I want to start at the beginning. And... Um, get you to reflect. Oh back. no, the beginning. <laughs> get you to reflect back on on your life and um, you know those early years of of Scott's life. Um, you know what moments come to mind, or even themes from that season in your life that really shaped you into the into the person, the leader, and and I guess the person with the vision you just unpacked as well today. Well, we don't have time to unpack all of it for sure. However, you know, one thing that stands out in particular, partially just because I was telling a member of my team this story the other day, and honestly, I'm not even sure that I've told this story on our podcast, as crazy as that might seem. But 
one of the things I remember really early, and I was such a weird little kid, such a weird little kid. I remember being about eight or nine years old, and I remember basically being in tears where I was like, time is passing so fast. And I remember, you know, basically bawling to, to my mom and dad about how, how quickly time was passing. Now I'm, I'm fully aware that's such a weird thing for a little kid. And I'm sure that my parents, I should actually go back and ask them, you know, what they remember about that. But I'm sure they were like, what on earth are you talking about? You're nine years old. Like you got plenty of time left. However, that's the type of mentality I had very early on wanting to make the most out of, of life and trying to understand how to do that. So that would, I don't fully know why I was that way as a little kid, but that's definitely something that has carried on through much later life. Uh, you know, <laughs> many, many years later. And uh, so here's a fun thing Yeah. Um, for, I don't know. <laughs> Don't totally know whether it's, you know, nature or nurture, but the same thing happened with my son who's 11. We have three kids, you know, the oldest is 14 and the youngest is 11. Just about two months ago, comes down, sits in between, he wasn't in tears, but, uh, but sits between my wife, Alyssa and myself on the couch. And we were just having a conversation. He sits down and is like, Grayson, you look sad. What's going on? He's like, I'm just sad because it seems like everything is passing so fast. I'm like, oh no, here we go. So apparently <laughs> it's, it's been passed on in one way or another. That's so funny. <laughs> I think, um, I think we all have those kind of, uh, quirks about ourselves, you know, in, in some element, if particularly if we look hard enough and, and I, um, I love that though, that urgency around making a difference and there's only so much time and, and, um, that's, that's such an, yeah, that's such a unique perspective for like a lot of, a lot of, um, adults don't walk around with that perspective, but to have that as a child, that's, I think that's really cool. I would say it didn't feel very cool at the time as a, as a kid. However, I've grown to very much appreciate that element about myself and it definitely keeps me motivated to make every hour that I'm on the earth count in one way or another, whether it is quality time with my, my kids mm. or whether it is, you know, making a difference with my team or whether it is uh, just about anything else. And, and really to focus on those things that I only care about the most and want to make an impact on and just try to not worry. I say try because <laughs> even though this is a huge focus for me, it doesn't mean I'm always successful at it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm keen to, um, you know, it, it really reminds me around uh, of some of the things I've been hearing around mindfulness and meditation and just being present. And um, it's, uh, you know, for me, that's, that's like the amazing thing about all those different, you know, when you can actually be really in the moment is that it, it has to be connected to that kind of um kind of uh, sense of urgency and I want to make the most of my time here. Uh, how has that shaped your business? Hmm. Well, in some ways, I have to be careful because that making the most of every moment thing that I in some ways can't stop doing 
can also suck the fun out of situations. So there's that side of it. At at our company, we call that shadow a shadow side of your strengths, or sometimes we call it anti-strengths. And that's definitely one element of it. However, the other side is we've really built this entire movement around helping people utilize their time better. So although many people find us when they're interested in making more out of their career in one way or another, whether they have you know, been at a company for 15 years and been promoted up through the ranks and you know, know that they don't want to continue to go further, or whether it's a case of they've made a number of career changes and haven't really found what they want, in any of those scenarios, we have placed a different focus and make it less about the work that you're doing and more about how you're wanting to spend your time. And that's a bigger question. So it's really shaped that. But all of that, quite honestly, goes back to a pretty pivotal event, I would say, that really ended up inspiring the entire company in the first place. Uh, can I, I'll, I can jump back for a second if it's helpful. Yeah. Oh, no, no, go. Um, tell us the story. I love it. Well, I would love to say that Happen to Your Career was created because I had this wonderful vision and wonderful idea. And then all of us, you know, I put, put it into place and everything. And well, you know, the vision has come over time. The way that it happened was more accidental. So if we go way back here for about almost 20 years, one of my first first professional opportunities. Actually, I guess it's over 20 years now. I better get my date straight. One of my very first professional opportunities, I, uh, you know, was pretty, pretty close to being out of college. I had actually accepted a role with an organization that quite frankly, I wasn't that excited about. It was okay. I had some friends working there. I was in a position where Everyone in my family and friends were telling me, hey, this is a great opportunity. You have to take this, partially because for being pretty young at the time, I had you know, tw- close to 20 people that were going to be reporting to me. They were going to pay me really well. If I did a great job the first year, they were going to reward me with a BMW. And so all those wonderful elements were about it, except, except that I really wasn't that excited about the role or the organization. And I only accepted it because it was available to me. It was right in front of me. And I figured, what else am I going to do? Right. So I ended up going and accepting it. I moved my wife to Portland, Oregon and realized almost in the first couple of weeks that this was a huge mistake. Now I would love to say that I, you know, I, I would totally love to say that I did something about it right then, but actually it took almost 18 months to the point where it got, it got really bad. Like it was such a terrible fit. I was, I gained 50 pounds, like very literally medicating with, with food. And I remember like going next door and, you know, uh, trying to, trying to get out of work because it was, I was having a really, really terrible time. So, um, to the point where, you know, I was having crazy thoughts after working 70 to 80 to 90 hour weeks over and over and over again and thinking, oh my goodness, how can I get a day off? Can I like eat myself sick? Can I like jump out the window and just like break a leg? Like, obviously this is an unhealthy situation, right? And so the reason I share that is because I ended up staying way, way, way too long because I thought, 
hey, you know, you can't hack it in the real world. I was thinking I wanted to take care of my team and wanted to make sure that they're doing well. I was thinking, well, what am I going to tell my wife? Like I moved her down here away from her family, you know? So all these things are running through my head. And that's the reason I stayed for 18 months, which I know so many people experience for why they stay in the wrong situation too. All these things that, that creep into our minds. But I ended up finally after a year and a half, after basically having a panic attack in the car or on the way to work, uh, in, you know, <laughs> super thick traffic, um, ended up going and talking to my boss and my boss listened. He asked some questions and it, you know, I felt really relieved after saying, Hey, I, I think maybe I made a mistake in accepting this role. And then three weeks later, he assembled all my team and, you know, put together a, a training, uh, and called everybody to the office and then fired me, which I did not expect. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So here's, here's the reason I, I'm sharing that story in the first place. Mm -hmm. I remember after, first of all, being very embarrassed because my boss basically gave me a choice like, Hey, you can take severance and everything like that. If you go and get up in front of the room in this training and say, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm leaving the organization. Here's what's going to happen. And we figure out how to tie everything up. Or you can just walk out of here with the, your tail between your legs and, you know, take two weeks of pay. And at that point in time, many years ago, I didn't, I didn't really have any money. So I felt like there was no alternative. So I got up in front of the room, took the embarrassment. But I remember after that driving home in the Portland rain where I'm like, ah, I can't, I can't ever do this again. This is, this is terrible. Like how do, how do people do this? Like I have to figure out how to do work differently. And so it was, it was that promise that I made to myself at that point in time, both for not just for me, but also for Alyssa and my future family that led me to spend the next 10 years figuring out how does, how does work actually work? How can it be more fulfilling? How do some people actually really love their work and thrive in it? Well, most of the rest of the world just exists and get tossed around by circumstances. So those were some of the questions I was facing, but many years later, after I'd made all kinds of career changes and, uh, you know, gone from operations management to HR or gotten a $40,000 increase when yeah, the company said that, Hey, we were freezing increases here and it's not going to happen after all of those situations and scenarios, I kept finding myself in the same conversation over and over again. And people were saying, Hey, how did you do that? How did you make that change? And then that's when happened to your career was born much, much later. That's, um, that's an incredible story. And, uh, I think the reason I love what you do so much is there's a, there's a part of hearing that story that's not surprising. And that's really sad because I've just seen that happen to so many, um, yeah. so many people in different variations of your journey and, um, I, I also, it also really resonates with me because uh, similarly in the, uh, you know, my, my book about dealing with difficult people, uh, sometimes yes. people think I wrote that because I've just been this incredible negotiating, um, listening machine my whole life. And the truth is, no, it's actually because for me, I did it so badly. I just, uh, I completely 
ended up in a massive mess and but I had the right intentions and that's what really frustrated me is um I was like wait a second but I tried and I really did what I thought was the right thing and it went horribly wrong um and so I, I hear that about your story too going wait a second I sort of did what you're meant to do in you know in in modern um you know career path and it's so unfulfilling what is this like there must be there must be more It's really dismal the state of well you can pick a you can pick a survey you can pick a set of research it varies fairly widely to the point where depending on which one you look at from which year you'll find a range of someplace between 62% and um 96% of people are not that satisfied with their jobs. And that's me paraphrasing, but basically they're not, they're not that excited about the work that they're doing in one way or another. But what is really, really common, what's fascinating to me is that any survey that actually measures an extraordinary situation where people are, we'll say in, in love with their work or getting a high degree of fulfillment from the work is really rare. It is, in most cases, it, it's about 4% or less throughout the world. And then you are looking on top of that, you add in an element of those people who are having a, having a very fulfilling situation, but also well-paid for doing so. And it's pretty, pretty small. It's pretty infinitesimal. And that is... That is difficult for me to realize that it's so small. And that is part of the reason why we as an organization are trying to make a massive impact on that. Because we're at a day and age where work actually doesn't have to be that way, both from a, you know, if you're in a leadership role where you are creating an environment for your team, or if you are the one experiencing that type of work. And, uh, I'm really curious about this for you. Uh, I'll share one of my experiences that I've had over, over and over again. And I'm wondering if you've had a similar experience. We, we get, we're really fortunate to reach what I would say top talent all over the entire world. Many people who are in, um, in some cases, the top positions at various different organizations. And as we talk to them, uh, they'll recount conversations with their coworkers uh, or or peers and none of them feel like they're in a position I shouldn't say none of them many of them don't feel like they're in a position to be able to change how the company is operating it feels too big or too much so that is that is scary to me in many different ways it's some of the largest organizations in the world where we don't necessarily feel like we can change how work is done for people. So that is, that's part of what drives me, but I've heard that conversation over and over again with various different executives at large organizations and they'll recount that conversations that they wouldn't basically tell anybody else. Have you had that experience too? Or what have, what have you experienced? You're yeah, laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have, I think people feel, um, I think leaders feel stuck about um, how to achieve the results that they need to achieve to be um, a viable company in their industry. Yeah. 
and be truly innovative in this area. And I think they see them as mutually exclusive. Like if we really did this, if we really looked at how can we like not just have satisfied employees, but really think about what does it look like to be an employer where we help people, um, you know, find, keep people, have them in roles where they're fulfilling their life's work, fulfilling their potential. I think that's really scary and, and, and people feel very stuck. I don't think they are mutually exclusive. And I think um, that's why your work's so important. I think what I'm often doing with, with leaders and, um, you know, I said this on a recent podcast as well, when it comes to HR and, and, and working with leaders around finding and keeping great talent, one of the filters I often yeah. say is, okay, as we start looking for this person, you, I want you to be crafting something that someone would move across the world for and, and, and have that perspective. And for some organizations, they're now having to do that because they're, you know, um, the job market in their, in their city, or it's, it's just right now as we're recording this is, is so challenging there. I was chatting to someone just um, yesterday who's been waiting 12 months to fill a role that's that, you know, normally would have had people lining up, but they, they, they haven't been able to find someone. So I think, um, I think people, I, I think people want to in theory, but I think they feel, I think they don't know how. And like, I, I think yeah. they don't know how yes. to, uh, how to create a culture where people can truly be, be fulfilled and, and, and love what they're doing within their organizations and still hit their KPIs. Agreed. We found that same thing very, very much so. And also with our own organization too. One of the things that we talk about internally a lot is that if we are going to help change the way that the world does work and how they think about work in order to make it better for humans, well, then we have to be the role model in so many different ways within our own organization that happened to your career. And I will tell you that, um, although I do believe that we do a pretty great job, it is a daily struggle. I believe it's the right struggle. I believe it's the right challenge. It is also a daily struggle. And we are, you know, by all definitions, a relatively small organization compared to, you know, many of the clients that we work with where they're going to, you know, fortune 500 companies, um, fortune 100 companies. So I recognize that uh, there are some significant challenges there, but I think there's also so many opportunities in that too. Like you mentioned wanting to create a role or a situation that people would move across the world for. And I think that that is, that's so huge. I, I, one of the things that we've found is that providing both an environment as well as um, we'll say job descriptions, but we don't really look at them as job postings or job descriptions. We look at them at them as um, I think what many people would call marketing messages to appeal to exactly the type of person that we want to attract. And I think that there's a massive opportunity there because we'll get, we will literally get, uh, you know, a thousand plus people applying for one role. We have, we have, you know, again, not a small organ or not a large organization, but we have six, only six roles open right now. And we have, um, around, you know, 2,500, 3,000, I haven't checked, uh, but last update I got from one of my team members, you know, we have like close to 3,000 people that have applied for these things. And the reason is 
because we're taking advantage of that opportunity, I believe in a very positive way to create a situation that appeals to the right people that both we want mm. to attract, but also appeals to what people actually want out of work, yeah. which unfortunately that, that thing right there, what people actually want, that's a bit of a misnomer as I've combed through the research for the last, oh my goodness, I've been interested in that for over 20 years. <laughs> you know, I've been a HR leader and all kinds of things. And there's a lot of misinformation about there, what, about what people actually want in so many different ways. Well, you, you can't leave me hanging on that. I, um, <laughs> and I know we, uh, we might need to invite you back for a second episode down the track. It'd be great to, to, to dig into some of this, um, deeper, but, but, um, before we, uh, we start towards finishing or anything, tell us about the really short <laughs> version of, um, what people actually want out of work. What have you learned? Well, I'll give you a couple examples because we, we probably don't have time to go into the, I don't know, eight hour dissertation. So here's, here's one of the things that I have found both the research plus the practical application. Plus, um, we're in a really unique position because again, we have people all over the world, like top talent all over the world coming to us and sharing things with our team that they pretty much only share with maybe their significant other over the dinner table or maybe a few other close confidants in their world. And one of the things that actually matters more than almost anything else is the, um, I was going to call it a concept, but it's not just a concept. It's the practical application of autonomy, autonomy and flexibility. Okay. So that part's not going to be a surprise, right? If I say the word flexibility, that's getting a ton of buzz, especially over the last two years, right? However, what people might not know and what isn't necessarily evident when we talk about autonomy and flexibility, that if we were to boil down the autonomy part to what actually matters is that people having the feeling that they can control or influence how the work gets done. That's very, very subtle, very, very subtle. Everybody's like, oh yeah, I, you know, I think we're providing an autonomous environment or yeah, we've got, we've got good flexibility. We've got good, you know, remote work policies or whatever, but it's not just about that really. If you start to look at enough research and start to look at enough studies, one of the things that you start to find as you go through, you know, study after study after study and read book after book after book is that what really actually matters is the, do they feel like they can influence the, how it gets done. People want to be able to choose how, uh, how, well, let's, okay. So let's give a couple examples here. Um, we all have a human need to create in one way or another. Most of us don't necessarily consider us, uh, consider ourselves to be creative. A lot of times we associate that with like someone who, you know, paints or someone who is like, you know, sketching or those types of creative things. However, uh, creativity in general is a, is a human need. And when we're talking about autonomy, part of the way that that creativeness comes out is within the how work gets done. It's also the thing that causes us to feel on one end, like polar extreme, like we're micromanaged if we're not getting that, which everybody hates micromanagement, right? But the other end of that is also, um, 
very bad too, where we have total autonomy mm -hmm. and we don't necessarily know or understand or have clarity as to what, what the goals are or how the work that we're doing is relating to the impact that, uh, that is showing up. So there's a couple things to untangle there. So let me give you a couple examples of what good autonomy looks like. If, um, well, I'll give you some examples on our, our team right now. So right now, one of the things that, um, has been a struggle for uh, our team, because we just onboarded literally a brand new couple of team members to, to our, we don't really call it a marketing team. We call it reach and relationship because that's what matters to us. And we just like to name things, what we believe that they are and, uh, reach and relationship are the two things mm. that are important to us. Marketing. We don't really care about that much. So <laughs> for our reach and relationship team they don't necessarily, a couple of them didn't necessarily always see how the work that they were doing, uh, with creating, creating content and putting out a podcast, how that was showing up on the other end. They knew that we are, you know, helping people create these sensational results for their own lives where they are, you know, pivoting their career and utilizing their strengths to be able to, uh, be able to change completely into something that fits the lifestyle that they want to live while making the impact that they want to provide, but they didn't necessarily know what was happening in between there. So one of the things that we've done to bridge that gap is we've actually had them, um, both break that apart and then had them go and interview those people so that they could see what was, what was leading up to that. And essentially help them build a timeline, if you will, for everything that happened so that they could see what, what happened when they encountered the content from happened to your career. And then when that led to another step, which led to another step, which led to another step. Okay. So that's a, that's a bit of a long example, but the reason mm -hmm. I'm sharing that is because now they can see the relationship and, uh, not only can they see the relationship, which helps to provide some level of purpose. It, when they can see the impact, especially if it's good alignment on the purpose that, um, that makes them feel like they're having an impact. But then at the same time, it also helps them make better decisions when we say, Hey, your role is to generate X number of conversations. And we're talking about how do we create contact? Um, how do we create content? and then turn that into conversations with real people that we get to have to be able to earn the opportunity to work with them. So it's about finding creative ways to be able to bridge the gap from a leadership perspective. It's about finding creative ways to bridge the gap from yeah. a individual perspective. It is about, um, finding the right type of what autonomy means to you because it can mean different things for, for different people. What level of autonomy are you comfortable with? Most people are not comfortable with total implicit autonomy and most people do not want anything to do with micromanagement. So being able to find the context in which you've had some of the right autonomy and build off of that, that's a great place to start. Yeah, that's so good. Um, I, I just want to ask you one other thing. And like I said, it, I'd love to invite you back for a part two because uh, I, I'm watching the clock and I'm just, but I, I, I love um, everything you're unpacking. And I, so I'd love to go deeper. Um, yeah, it would be fun. Absolutely. Yeah, let's do that. Um, 
but I just want to, and this might be a bit of a an introduction for people to to check out your podcast and also check out your work. But I know there'll be listeners who have been waiting and going, "Come on, tell me, I I need to." I'm not feeling fulfilled. I'm feeling like Scott in that job where you were like, no, something's got to change. Where where should they start? For someone listening who's got that same uh, sort of frustration and going, I have to find something else that really fulfills me, what advice would you give to them if they haven't made any changes yet, but they're just aware that they're not fulfilled in what they're doing? Okay. So I'm going to say something silly at first, but I'll explain it. So the first thing that isn't really that helpful of an answer, I recognize this is making the commitment to change, but let me explain it for a second. One of the things that happens over and over again, and part of the reason I ended up staying so long in that role that really didn't fit, even though I knew that it was a terrible fit for me. And what we see, you know, often, um, we found that the average is 18 months over staying to three years overstaying with people that we work with. That is, that is normal. It's a normal thing to overstay. So, uh, when people are going through an individual work week and at any given day going like, I can't do this any longer. And then by the end of the week, they're going, yeah, this is not so bad. I could do this for, you know, a little while longer if I needed to recognizing that if you're going on those ups and downs all the time, really frequently like that, that actually is settling. If you are continuing to accept that, that is not great. That is not what thriving looks like at all, not even close. So if that's what you're experiencing and it's like, yeah, I could tolerate this, you know, this is, this is not so bad. I can do this for a while. Like that's, that's recognize that as a red flag, that something needs to change. And then making the commitment to change, I'm going to do this. If you need to put a timeline around it, I'm going to make a decision about what I'm going to do in the next week, three months, nine months, but before the end of the year, before end of 2022, whatever, whatever's going to work for you. It's most important to get some level of movement heading in that right direction. And then one of the other things I would say to do, we make it pretty easy on people to get started and thinking about what creates an extraordinary next step for you. And also what creates an ideal career or even evolution of your career. And we put together a short, we call it a email mini course where it's eight days long. Every day you get another email with a series of questions. Some of the same questions that when we're working with people uh, on a one-to-one basis, we'll ask some similar questions, very powerful questions that will help you begin to get clues as to what could create a great situation for you. And that would be the next step. And if you're interested in that, you can go to happentoyourcareer.com and click on the eight day course, or you can go to figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co and access that figure it out eight day mini email course. And that's a great place to start. It's probably one of the best places to start. In fact, um, there's also a little short run podcast. That's an eight day podcast that goes hand in hand with that called what fits you. And that's another place to do it. Um, otherwise, you know, honestly, our, all of our clients almost started with the same place every time, either that eight day mini email course at figureitout.co, or just by starting with a podcast where we share stories of real people making extraordinary changes and being able to do that over and over again. We have literally 400 stories of real people <laughs> that 
share how they made these changes. And uh, most of them are stories of people that we've worked with because we want to be able to share how real people can do this in any situation, whether you're a CEO trying to lead your organization and realize that you need to have some evolution there, or whether you're trying to change from one situation to another uh, in terms of uh, one organization to another and find the right fit or any other scenario. We are very good at it. And uh, one of the things that helps people get started is recognizing what's possible for them. And that's why we share all those stories. So you can recognize what's possible for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, Scott. Um, thanks so much for sharing anything else that you would want to say as we wrap up how, uh, you know, if people really want to find you, you mentioned the podcast, you mentioned the short course, any, uh, anything else you want to add in terms of people, uh, next steps, if they want to find out more about you and, and, uh, and your organization. Yeah, I don't know exactly when this is airing, but we actually have a book of the same name, Happened to Your Career, coming out here on October 18th of 2022. So that's another wonderful place to get started, and it provides so many of the same benefits that we just talked about. Love it. Well, thank you to our listeners. What a great episode. I know there'll be a bunch of you Googling um, the short course and Scott's podcast and, and make sure you go and check that out if you feel like that that's for you. And uh, I just get so excited thinking about people who stumbled into this episode without any, you know, um, without meaning to question what they're doing and are now going, actually, this is what I need to do. Um, and, uh, so that was just great, Scott, um, for our listeners, don't forget, we also have the John O. White leadership podcast and the leadership question of the day podcast. There are two other places you can go to invest in your leadership, but I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Scott, for, uh, for being so generous with your time and sharing, um, sharing your story with us. I really appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, it's been a great joy to spend time with you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. I appreciate the questions. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. 
And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O'White, or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.